Maggie McAlpine tells us about her writing and monsters. Do you write science fiction and fantasy? Yeah, and uh, you know, historical fiction and uh, pretty much anything genre okay. uh, I can get my hands on. Who, so. do, you, who do you love to read? So, uh, back in the day, back when I was being, uh, reading just, you know, a book a day, uh, I was reading everyone who was pretty much big at the turn, late 90s, early aughts, which was, you know, Pratchett and Robert Jordan and Terry Brooks and, uh, Mercedes Lackey and all of the, you know, usual big suspects who are there in pretty much any Barnes and Noble. <laughs> and, uh, I think I did hit a point a little bit where I was uh, becoming a writer myself and I was editing too much in my own head and I've dropped off with reading a little bit as a result as I don't read as much as I'd like to I sort of do one end of the spectrum or the other now which is like classics like Victor Hugo-y type stuff or nonfiction, huh. or I'm all the way over here because I'm a big fan fiction nut and I'm reading you know my fellow fan fiction writers wow. in whatever fandom I'm in at the time so I get asked like what do you think of this book that just came out or this legend who's you know put out another book and it's it's a big blank now in the middle and I'm very ashamed of it <laughs> but I, I should be more up to date but it's basically fellow writers and classics or nonfiction are where I am these days oh, cool. you know? you're saying that you know an editor in your head was maybe too strong and I, and you were associating that with reading and I yeah. wasn't quite sure. Tell me more. When you uh, when you think, oh, I could have done that line better. Oh, okay. Or if I was workshopping this, I would have told them to nix that filtering oh, phrase cool. right there. Yeah, yeah. And I even went back to some favorites like Terry Brooks. Uh, my favorite book by him was Talismans of Shannara. And I was rereading it to remember, is it as good as I loved it as a kid? And I was, and it is, but I, I, I started checking for filtering words and stuff as I went. And I was like, no, stop it, brain. <laughs> Just enjoy this book, please. Who's <laughs> hard is it? Yeah. when your brain quiets up and you really are just in the in the moment. Mm -hmm. So for me, the, the struggle is the first uh, 30 pages. Yes, and absolutely. I may flunk the book and then move on because I'll just get too upset, even though possibly the, a few more mm -hmm. pages I would love it, but it, it, there's something that's going on there. I don't fully understand it myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, the, it's the shock of a new, new uh, storyline and the new characters and things like that. And that's what makes fan fiction, of course, so seductive. You already like the characters, um, you're already on board, and people can say things like, uh, I'll just use Harry Potter as an example, Example, though I'm not in that fandom uh, like Harry walked down the street and you're already so further along than you are in a novel where you have to be like Joe Schmo is walking down the street I'm like well, why do I care about Joe Schmo it's a huge barrier to overcome which Harry, uh, which you know Harry, uh, Harry Potter fanfic wouldn't have to worry about you're in, you already know who Harry is you already like him so who, what fanfics are you reading right now I'm actually doing a lot of Pacific Rim which is kind of funny oh, nice yeah <laughs> Um, having a good time with that. That has a little bit of an anime bend as well. Sure. So are you kind of an anime fan? Sure. More again, more in high school probably. These days, I just kind of stick to the the big ones that get thrown at me. But some new ones like uh, Voltron: Legendary Defender. Technically not an anime, but uh, it's on Netflix. It's the newest Voltron show. Very very good. Um, Puella Magi Madoka Magica is fantastic, but it's a little bit older now. Um, Fruits Basket was my favorite back in the day. Oh, you probably wouldn't have heard of any of these. I haven't heard any of these. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're formative. I think I think what it is with anime.
anime is um, for Western audiences, there's such different storytelling paradigms in different countries that they are automatically fresh to us. And then when you start to dig into anime, you will start to see tropes and cliches repeat themselves. And so you will begin to notice some qualities not as good as others. But when you first get in there, just things like the, the main character may not survive to the end. It's very rare in the West and much less rare in the East. And like that can come across as fresh and exciting and new. Mm. And the fact that such bold stories can be told in a two-dimensional, cheaper medium like anime. So mm. uh, you can have a lot of crazy stories that would be too high budget to do in live action, which is the only thing we really take seriously in the West in, in film. You born to robots or... Monsters? Monsters? In Pacific oh. Rim, no. Uh, in Pacific Rim, I'm, I'm really more into the human characters. I actually didn't like the movie when I first saw it because I didn't. I, the monsters, frankly, scared me, which is uh, funny because I'm actually known as like in my little in my little group as the person who's constantly doing monster transformation stories. Oh. But that's not the kind of monster I like. I don't. I like um, I like monsters as more like uh, reflections of fears and less about like the bleakness of certain destruction. Jurassic Park scares me, things like that, because they're not, you can't negotiate with them. But I do love Beauty and the Beast style stories where the monster is much more inner, you know. Intelligence. Oh, yeah. interesting. You know. You like to be able to negotiate. I like that, how you said that. And uh, uh, it sounds like you like a monster at that as an intellect yes. that you can sort of. I don't know. As, an expression, as an expression of inner fears and as an expression of, you can use them to express complex things. Like I wrote a very long story recently where uh, a man was being possessed and slowly turned into a dragon in the style of Fafnir, but um, in the Norse mythology. And it really became, as I went, I really just wanted to use it as an expression of his darker emotions. But the further I got, my reader said, you're actually doing an elaborate depression metaphor here. And the way that depression can cut you off from the world and make you feel monstrous and make it impossible for you to reach out. And uh, his, his appetites were shutting down because in this world dragons don't need to eat of course they're too big to sustain themselves if they needed to eat they're purely magical so his appetites were shutting down his sleep cycles were getting thrown off he was feeling monstrous to those around him and that was darkening and deepening people were like this is an elaborate pressure and i really liked how you can talk more freely about something with through monstrousness through transformation that you can't maybe talk about directly wow that's cool yeah okay but you're writing uh, monster fiction, is sure. what I'm hearing. Yeah, and that can be sci-fi or fantasy or I uh, like mind control stories too for the same reason. Uh, I like uh, characters who become their own dark mirror against their own will or perhaps don't realize they've become their own dark mirror until much later. Harvey Dent from like Batman would be a good character for that. Oh, okay, dark mirror means... Like your own, uh, your own worst nightmare. Oh, okay. So like if you have something you would most fear becoming, oh. maybe becoming that slowly with full awareness or turning into that and then re retrospectively realizing this has happened to you. Oh. That, that oh no moment of what have I become is like the heart of a lot of the stories I write and I keep coming back to it over and over again even when I don't mean to. <laughs> wow, that sounds nice. Yeah. yeah. I like noir, but this is a different thing. This mm -hmm. is a, the specific, the dark mirror. Okay, I've mm -hmm. never heard that. Yeah, that's like a Sin City. There we are. That's, I have that's a little a bit one. of dark mirror yeah. with the, uh, that, that, the big tough guy. I don't remember what he was. Sure. Oh yeah, Rourke, I think Rourke is his name. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Marvel movies do dark mirrors almost every single time. So every villain is almost always an inversion of the hero to an almost laughable extent. You can kind of tell how bad or good a Marvel movie is by like, is it just the Hulk but evil? Or is it like uh, the Winter Soldier, which is far more complex as the dark mirror to Captain America, who was made into a fighter against his will, where Steve was able to keep his autonomy as a super soldier. And like, you have that dark mirror. So, um, and uh, Pierce being a dark mirror to Fury in that. So there's a lot of dark mirrors in Winter Soldier which is why it's one of my favorites.
however you found sci-fi thoughts, be it iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast aggregation services. If you've enjoyed the show, go ahead and do us a favor. Go to wherever you get this podcast and leave us a review, even clicking a few stars. And this will help out the show in many ways. Next episode, Maggie McAlpine tells us about the science fiction she enjoys and the science fiction she writes. I've been a big fan of The Expanse lately. I didn't like science fiction a lot growing up because I found it very bleak. But then I discovered Babylon 5 and that became a big thing for me. I absolutely love uh, and was deeply influenced by Babylon 5.